Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. It's not just for children at high needs or at certain poverty levels. It's for all children. All children need books. Welcome, listeners, to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm here with my co-host and great friend, Fletcher Senior Strategist, Mary Beth West. Hey there, Kelly. So good to have you back today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's wonderful to be back and to be able to, to join everyone here. We have two remarkable women who are part of an organization that's dear to our hearts who are joining us today, and I could not be more excited. And not only because this organization has local roots in East Tennessee, and not only because its namesake founder is the official I would say patron saint of this state, absolutely. And she's also, of course, a global icon, but we're also excited about having our guests on for the educational and philanthropic mission that their organization represents, really helping to send millions of children carefully selected age-appropriate books every month. So we're talking about Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. And our guests today are Nora Briggs and Dr. Marion Galuli. Nora is executive director of the Dollywood Foundation. She leads the Imagination Library team in the U.S. and Canada, as well as the Foundation's North American strategy. Nora has a degree in finance and accounting, an executive master's degree in global strategic communications. She's previously worked in construction management with both Jacobs and Hilton Worldwide and is chief data officer and vice president of CoreLogic. Nora has also volunteered for quite a few charitable organizations, including the Salvation Army and Habitat for Humanity. So makes my bio pale in comparison. (laughs) Well, and mine as well. Welcome, Nora. (laughs) Thank you so much. So great to be here. Well, and as you mentioned too, Kelly, um, along with Nora is Dr. Marion Galuli, who's the executive director of the Dollywood Foundation in the UK. Marion is the head of the UK's Imagination Library team and leads the strategy for the UK and Ireland. Uh, Marion also holds a doctorate in respiratory pathology and a Bachelor of Science degree in anatomy. Marion has worked as a clinical research manager and as a professional advisor to the Scottish government. She is also vice chair of the Scottish Commission for People with Learning Disabilities. So, ladies, thank you so very much for joining us. It's great to be here. Hi. We're so excited to have you both here. So Marion and Nora, the name of our podcast, obviously, is Misinterpreted. And on the podcast, we always like to address misinterpretations. And I wonder, what is the most misinterpreted part of Imagination Library? For me, the most misinterpreted part is that people don't always understand or even know anything about the extent of partnership working that is required to deliver Dolly Parton's Imagination Library to children across those five countries where where they receive these books. Initially, the programme was a gift from Dolly to the children of Sevier County. And as it was scaled up, those partnerships started to develop. So actually, although the gift is still from Dolly, because this is Dolly's charity and it's still very much around Dolly's passion to give children books, Um, It's also a gift from local partners who 
fundraise to make sure the programme is available and sustainable in their communities. It's about local businesses who sponsor local programmes for children who live in their area. And it's about organisations and individual volunteers who promote the programme, who tell people in their community that it's available and to talk to parents about how to get these books for their children and how to sign their children up to receive the programme. And that network of partnerships is often quite hidden, but it's a key factor of the scale of the Imagination Library. It really wouldn't be possible without those partners. So, Nora, what do you feel is most misinterpreted about Imagination Library? Well, I would agree with Marion, uh, the thought that Dolly pays 100% for the program. Uh, but I think the other piece that I see is that communities may think that it is for just certain children, where it's not. It's for all children. It's the universal access. Um, so it's not just for children at high needs or at certain poverty levels. It's for all children. All children need books. And so if communities are interested, they just need to reach out. There isn't a means test for a community to bring a program, right? If a community wants to focus on literacy and getting books into the home and create that ripple effect in the community, they just need to reach out and we can help them start a program. I was introduced to Imagination Library. I have to share the story. I think it was 1999 and I was still doing some acting. I have a previous life in the performing arts. And I was called in to audition for a commercial and it was for Imagination Library. And I was going to be the mom who ran to the mailbox to get the book out with my little girl. And I read with all these little girls and I got the job, but I couldn't do it because I had another business trip. And so I had to turn down my opportunity for Imagination Library fame. <laughs> but you brought it this time, right? Now we get a chance to talk about it. I know all these years later. So at Fletcher and our agency, we specialize in marketing to women and an integral part of the Fletcher brand is all about female empowerment. And that's really a big reason why we love Imagination Library and we love Dolly Parton and we love everything you all stand for. I mean, who could be more empowered in her own life and career than Dolly Parton, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and she's so empowering through her model of living well by giving to others. I resonate with Dolly so much. I'm from the mountains of Western North Carolina, which is not a whole lot different than being from the mountains of East Tennessee. So we wanted to have you both on today because literacy and education is clearly such a core part of Dolly's worldview for humanity, you know, where she came from and the stories she tells. And tell us what it is that inspired Dolly Parton to begin Imagination Library in the first place. Well, Dolly always felt an obligation and a commitment to give back, particularly to children and most specifically to her hometown. So this has always been a part of her, and it's manifested itself in a number of ways, but particularly around the issue of books and reading. The inspiration for all of it was really her father, who could not read or write. She always felt he was the smartest man in the world, but also saw how it really limited his opportunity. He provided for them and the family, but maybe so much more of his dreams could have been realized if he had been able to read and write. And that really stuck with her and was always on her mind as how she could do something in a way that, number one, honored her father, and number two, addressed the issue that he struggled with. And that was really the impetus for the foundation. 
in interviews uh, that Dolly Parton has done, I've often heard her speak very much so about her father, her father's legacy, and that he he was the smartest person in her life. Just an incredible acumen on how to deal with the realities of life and just interpersonal skills, all of those things. Can you take us through a timeline of how the foundation has expanded? Because I think our listeners would really love to learn about that piece. Yes. Yeah, so the foundation, the Dollywood Foundation, was established in 1988. And she started out in her hometown, Sevier County in East Tennessee, working with that local high school. And the idea was to buddy program to marry up uh, two folks, two high school students who were then committed to make every effort to graduate in high school. And she actually offered them money in order to graduate. And what we saw was the graduation rates increased and we saw an increased community focus on encouraging the high school students to stay focused on their education and graduate in high school. And she was thinking of other ways that she could help in this area of education, especially around the joy of reading, and came to her through the educators in the Sevier County school system and the high school, that the problem really began when children came to school unprepared or they had no exposure to books and reading. So that's when she started to think about giving books into the home on a frequent basis. And so the Imagination Library started in 1995. And as we all know, it was really just meant to be in her home county, Sevier County, and began to expand through Tennessee. And in 2000, the Dollywood Foundation created a turnkey replication model, which made it very easy for local communities to bring the program to their neighborhoods. And the cost-sharing model also was designed in order to be able to create a scalable program as, you know, Dolly contributes millions of dollars every year to the foundation and local programs have to get engaged and put in a certain amount as well. And what happened is it started to take off from community to community. And in 2004, in particular, the state of Tennessee decided that every child in Tennessee should be eligible to receive books and they created a statewide program. And this replication model and this cost-sharing model and this ability to bring it at scale to communities and neighborhoods everywhere has worked really well for us. So we have programs in all 50 states. We have eight statewide programs and the District of Columbia. And we've got a few more anticipated this year. That's amazing. So it is not based on financial need. Every child has access to these books, right? That is correct. It's every child in a covered geography and that community could pick one zip code or their entire town, a school district, a county, an entire state. We can do an entire country, but it means that every child is offered the opportunity, is, is eligible to register. And that's zero to five. So we're, we're trying to reach children in their home before they reach kindergarten. And do the parents go sign up to be a part of the program or is it just, is it, does they, the books automatically arrive? No, it's, it's an opt-in program. So parents have to sign their children up and give us permission to send books to their home. And most importantly, tell us how old they are so that they get that age appropriate book coming to their mailbox. 
That's so exciting because it's, it's exciting to get mail, first of all, because we, we don't get that much mail anymore. <laughs> and I just wish that it would have been around when my son was young. It's just such a great bonding experience. My mother read to us every night before we went to bed. And I think it's so great that this program tries to foster the, you know, the relationship building, too, between parents and their children. So I have to ask, because this is such a large scale operation that you've just described but you've got like a staff of 15 people. How do you do everything that you do with such a small staff? You'd be amazed. It works fabulously, right? Because what's happened over time is the Dollywood Foundation has created a systemized approach to the operational infrastructure of the program. And it really, to be honest with you, it's, it's the heart and souls of these communities and the volunteers who bring these programs into their neighborhoods and their townships and their communities that really make the program work. So the Dollywood Foundation provides the infrastructure. We kind of do all the heavy lifting. We provide the books, the database. We fulfill on the monthly book gifting portion. But local communities, they've got to sign up, promote the program, find children, find families with young children. They have to fundraise as there's a small piece that we, you know, we want communities to feel engaged, right? Dolly feels that if things are given away that they may be not as valued as something where people have engagement and have a sense of ownership. And so that's part of it. So there's, you know, the local communities are also fundraising to pay their part and it creates this ripple effect in the community by gifting these books. We describe the program as an international program that's delivered locally. And, you know, the international development of the program began in Canada when Dolly launched the Canadian program in 2006. So our Canadian program is 15 years old this year and we send about 30,000 books to children in Canada every year. The next country to come on board was the UK. In 2007, Dolly visited England to launch the first program within the UK. And since then, we've given over 4 million books to children in the UK. So we're really excited about that. And then we partnered with an organisation called United Way of Australia in 2014. And that enabled us to launch the Imagination Library in Australia. And we now reach over 7,000 children in five states. And that programme is growing steadily. And then most recently, and I'm excited to tell you about this because this is our programme in Ireland. And today we're recording this podcast on St. Patrick's Day. So it's an important day for our Irish partners and friends. Um, and we set up a programme on St. Valentine's Day in 2019 in Dublin, one part of Dublin, Dublin 24, with our partners there. And then towards the end of 2020, we, we brought on board a second affiliate in Ireland in Cork. So we really are, you know, Nora's um, described how from Dolly's hometown, this programme has become a massive international programme but really the heart of every single element of it is in the community and those volunteers and dedicated people who set up these programmes and sustain these programmes in their local communities is what makes it work. I just love hearing about this international piece and, you know, the, and I will say that locally, um, and I have three daughters who grew up on Imagination Library books. And I, I will say there was that thrill of being able to take them to the mailbox or for them to just see the mail coming in and something with their name on it, which the, it almost had a magical quality to it. 
And um, I think that, you know, giving children that type of experience of feeling like there's something coming in the mailbox just for them and for them to, as you mentioned, just to be able to share that experience and just to know that something that has been fostered out of East Tennessee is now having a global reach and impact for young children at that level. That is is just incredibly heartwarming. And to know that it's been going on for as many years as it has, just incredibly exciting. There was recent news of in Tennessee, I think the state legislature wanted to put up a statue of Dolly Parton at the Capitol in Nashville. And she politely asked not to have a statue of her put up. She felt like it was not necessary. And especially in light of the year of COVID-19, she didn't she didn't want that kind of attention. And I think that speaks of just how she's lived her life. And I'm wondering, do the children who receive these Imagination Library books, do they know who Dolly is? Um, Well, I think Dolly is known and recognized and loved all over the world for her music and her movie appearances. and, And many people know about her charity work. And I think that that relates to grown-ups, I think. Grown-ups know Dolly, grown-ups love Dolly and, and know what she does. They may not be aware of the detail of the Imagination Library. And interesting, the children, so it's very young children that we reach through the Imagination Library. And so they know of Dolly through the books that they receive because on the, the wrapper of the book is a message from Dolly every single month and it says your gift from Dolly with Dolly's signature on it. So children are aware of, of Dolly from that angle and may be introduced to her music after they know about what she does with giving the books. I mentioned our, our friends in Ireland. I have to say Dolly is absolutely adored in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I think there are many, many very young children in Ireland who are very aware of Dolly's music before they start to get the books. So She's just such an icon, and that's an international thing. It's a global thing, really. And Marion, when I am on business travel and I'm in communities, that I hear the children refer to them as Dolly's books. You know, my Dolly book came, right? So they Aww. know, <laughs> they know Miss Parton. And at the Dollywood Foundation, we get letters, and we get drawings and postcards, and we get. Video clips come in as well. And a lot of them are children who are writing to say thank you to Miss Parton, Miss Dolly, the book lady, you know, variations of that. (laughs) And they absolutely love her. And they associate her, in some cases, not with her music or the movies, but with the books. She is Mm -hmm. the lady who puts the books in their mailboxes every month. (laughs) Yes, and I, I have often heard her, Dolly, speak, I think it was at the Library of Congress when one of these major milestones of book distribution had occurred, and she was talking about how the children know her as the book lady. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's such an interesting kind of a reverse notoriety that she has of, you know, people of more my generation, of course, grew up on her music and everything. And I, one of my, and Kelly's and public relations colleagues at Dollywood is Pete Owens. And he's often said that Dolly Parton has one of the highest Q scores globally in terms of just name recognition. And, you know, of course that's been going on for so many decades now. And it's just, it's just really remarkable how she has taken that name awareness and, and grown something, you know, that is truly on a servant leadership kind of model 
you know, giving back to others and having that be the be the focus. You know, we love to quote Dolly here in East Tennessee. One of her quotes, I think, that really comes to mind is you can never get enough books into the hands of enough children. And, you know, it's with that philosophy. I mean, are there any ambitions for further expansion as we as we look at North America or even look internationally as well? Absolutely. And actually, this is the key focus of Marion and I School is to continue to grow the expansion of the Imagination Library. We have a strategic plan that uh, we set out quite a number of years ago to reach 10% of all children in the U.S. and 8% in Canada. I'll let Marion talk about her expansion plans in the UK. Uh, We are currently reaching 1.7 million children a month. And personally, I'd like to see that at 5 million children a month. I'd like to be delivering 60 million books a year to children in, you know, five countries. And really the heart of it is just knowing that that book coming in the mail can change the trajectory of a child, of a family in the communities. And knowing that we have the opportunity to make such a difference with such a small ripple, it's what drives us. I don't know about you, Marian, but it's what makes me get up every single day is the ability to make the difference, right, in a child's life, in a family's life. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, Nora, the, the stories that we hear when we receive mail from children who have received the books and the photos and videos that come in, then that's why we get up in the morning. We know that this programme makes such a difference to children's lives and to families. You know, it's just a fantastic thing. And in the UK, you mentioned, you know, we are aiming to reach 8% of the eligible population. So in the UK, we are currently sitting at 44,000 children every month who receive a book, and that's just over 1% of the eligible population. So we've got huge scope for growth in the UK. And my personal dream, and I know that this is a dream that's shared by my team, is that we could get to a stage where the Imagination Library is available to every child under the age of five in the UK and in Ireland. You know, that, that would just be phenomenal. And it may sound like an impossible dream, but when you think about how this programme started, you know, who would have thought that we would have got to the stage where we've given away over 150 million books? You know, nobody would have dreamed of that scale. And the way that it's designed, the way the programme is designed, makes that scaling up possible. It absolutely could be a reality. So that's what motivates us. and. You know, we don't do this alone. We do this in partnership with so many dedicated people. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. (laughs) Well, Rolling Stone, uh, to your point, published a story this month on the Imagination Library and mentioned that you all are approaching 155 million books delivered. And wow, it's just, it's a credit to you and your team and you two powerhouse women just kind of embody (laughs) Dolly's spirit. I can tell just in the short time that we've been talking back and forth over email and and today. And so thank you for what you're doing. So I've always been curious how the books are selected. What criteria does the book have to meet? Is there a selection process? And are the processes different in different regions or different countries? So the books are selected firstly to be exciting and inviting and interesting stories for families to share with their children. 
And we take great care to select appropriate books for the child's age. They're age appropriate and they're accessible to a huge range of people who receive these books. The selection process varies a little bit from country to country. Um, and the first book selection committee was set up in 2005 in the US. And that was at the same time as our partnership with our publishers, Penguin Random House, uh, really um, was set up. So all of the books are published by Penguin Random House. And that ensures that we know that the quality of the books is just fantastic. I mean, these are beautiful, beautiful books. Also, because they have such a huge catalogue of books that they make available to us, the choice for us is huge. So in the US, the procedure is that the, the Book Selection Committee read the books aloud. So we, they meet once a year to refresh the book selection. So they would, um, some books stay in the programme for a few years um, and then new books are brought in gradually every year. And these books are read aloud so the committee can hear the story and then can comment on how that resonates and whether it um, really hits the mark in terms of the diversity of content that we're looking for. We look for a mix of fiction and non-fiction, poetry, stories that have animals as the characters, stories who have a range of human characters and that reflect children's experience. So looking for diversity in terms of family composition that's reflected in the story, looking for diversity in terms of, you know, the, the ethnic origin of the characters who are in the, the stories. All of these things are really important across the book selection committees. But when we look at the international needs, the Priorities that are there for the US committee absolutely are there for all of the other committees. But in Canada, for instance, and in Australia, there's a real focus on making sure that a proportion of the books are written and illustrated by authors and illustrators from Indigenous communities and that the subject matter reflects the experience of children who live in Indigenous communities within those countries. In the UK, which I have most experience of, obviously, um, we, we are probably a bit more reserved in our approach in that we don't read aloud to each other. Book committee members who are all experts in children's development and children's literature, but the committee members read the books themselves and then discuss their thoughts on the book rather than reading aloud. And it's really interesting. I've, I've sat in on the, the US committee um, and also um, on the UK committee. And, and that difference is, is really, it reflects the difference in culture across these countries. And I think that that really demonstrates the passion within the Dollywood Foundation to make sure that our programme resonates in whatever country the programme is being delivered in and the books are being received in so that it's really appropriate for those children. But it's absolutely the highlight of everyone's year to be part of this book selection process is such a privilege. And, and we've adapted to the demands of the COVID pandemic. Last year's book selection process happened online. We met on Zoom calls and discussed our book selection that way. And we'll be doing that again this year because the travel restrictions that are in place across all of our countries mean that we can't travel to get together to do this in person. 
but it worked tremendously well. Nora, you can give your reflections on the US committee, but I have to say the passion for selecting a range of books, a variety of books that stimulate children's imaginations and really bring the best of children's literature to them. It really, really came through regardless of whether we had the opportunity to touch and feel the books. We we still had the opportunity to be as animated as usual in our discussion about the pros and cons of the various books that were presented to us. You explained that so well. That's why I'm glad I, you took that question. <laughs> so eloquent about that. Uh, the one piece that I could add is that to be true to Dolly's spirit and that these books promote, I guess, the foundation for treating each other well, respect, caring, love, inclusivity, diversity, you know, the many colors of the rainbow. We seek to avoid anything that would put a parent off from reading a book And so we're really just trying to inspire that pure love of reading by creating just special books that families want to gather around and read over and over and over. Well, there's so much granularity in the process that you've just described. I'm really blown away by how intentional your whole team is. And I, gosh, I didn't quite realize how much went into your process and how involved that is. And You know, when we're talking about not only that experiential piece of receiving the books and being being there with a parent or with a loved one to share it, I mean, we've talked about how the goal of the Imagination Library is to encourage just a love of books early on and to foster literacy. I'm curious, what, what kinds of outcomes has the Imagination Library generated in meeting those specific types of goals, like love of books, fostering literacy? Has there been some quantitative piece or anecdotal piece that you could share with us on on the impact there? Well, Mary Beth, over the last 25 years, uh, we've done a lot of research and surveys, academic studies. So there, there is significant amount of evidence that shows the impact I guess the first thing I'd like to say is the first goal is really just purely to inspire a love of books and reading. As simple as that, right? Encourage a family to get together around books. But we know that receiving books monthly has a significant impact in home literacy environment, kindergarten readiness, and also in the community. So in the home, you have families who are connecting around the book. You're increasing the amount of time that they read together up to, you know, multiple times a week. Sometimes they're reading that same book many times a day. You're building a home library. If a child comes in when they're first born and they graduate out on their fifth birthday, they're going to have a home library of 60 books. And again, it's not just, yes, that's a tremendous number of books. Yes. And then listening to Marion describe how we get to the selection of those quality age appropriate books, you know that they're spectacular books meant to, you know, bring the interest of many family members and all the family members typically get engaged in that reading. It definitely increases the one-on-one time that children have with their parents, their caregivers, and that actually helps lay a foundation for consistent involvement in child's learning and development that really helps later on as they get older and go to school. You know, when I was growing up, we had a program, a summer reading program, and it was at our public school library. And my sister and I would walk two miles to the library as if, you know, 
your parents would let you do that today. But we would walk two miles to our school library and check out books. And then when you read five books, you got a little gift. And I remember if you read 50 books during the summer, you got a Baskin Robbins banana split. (laughs) And did you do that? Did you get your Baskin Robbins? Oh, yeah. We got we got more than one because we would like sometimes we would choose really short, easy books (laughs) 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 so we could get our number up there so we could get our banana split. So it just reminds me of the excitement that that brought. And this is the same type of excitement. And Dolly's written two children's books that are distributed by Imagination Library. I've seen both of them. I've read both of them. I'm a rainbow and coat of many colors. It's precious, precious books. How is Dolly involved? I mean, is she involved in a regular basis in Imagination Library? Well, you know, Dolly's our, our chairperson of our board. This is something that's near and dear to her heart, right? She's passionate about what we're doing. She keeps up to speed with all our developments. She makes herself available when we have opportunity to build awareness, such as in 2019, she attended as the keynote speaker in Nashville, which was perfect location and timing for the National Conference of State Legislators. She had an opportunity to talk about what it means to bring Imagination Library programs to a state so that every zero to five child could be eligible. And she talked about it. She sang about it. And they gave us the opportunity to present to our state legislators so that we could talk about the expansion. So she's involved in so many ways. Marion, I'll let you jump in as well. I don't want to hog it. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, Dolly, at every opportunity, talks about the Imagination Library. She's passionate about it. And that comes across really clearly. It's very dear to her heart. Here in the UK, you know, we are always thankful when Dolly comes to visit because she doesn't get here terribly often. But every time she comes to the UK, she makes a point of meeting with key people who are involved in delivering the Imagination Library to their local communities to say thank you to them for their commitment and for their involvement. And that's just, a, you know, that really demonstrates her personal commitment to making sure she knows what's happening with this program. You know, she has regular updates from us in the foundation around where we're at and what we're doing. And Dolly is always very happy to send messages of encouragement. You know, she records video messages when we have the launch of new programs. She's just a fantastic supporter in every way. And yes, she is very much the heart of everything that we do, I would say. I have to ask, what's it like to sit in a room or sit in a meeting with Dolly Parton? Great question. I love that question. I would say my limited experience of of that would say that it's much more relaxing than I had perhaps expected it to be. She is very, very good at making other people feel comfortable and feel at ease. And she's just so warm and approachable and genuine, really genuine in her interest for what we're doing and her support of what we're doing. I'd love to hear that. I, I think I would be a little intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> she's extremely warm. She's very funny. She's very smart and observant. But Marion, you're absolutely correct. She makes you feel very comfortable. Again, it, it's not about her. It's about what we're working on and what can she do to help. It's amazing. 
And um, I just remember the first time I met her, just she pulled me into a hug and had her arm around me and was looking up at me because, uh, and I'm not that tall, I'm only five, six, but she's so petite and so beautiful. And I thought, unbelievably, how warm and genuine and just how welcoming she made me feel when I joined the, the foundation. You know, it's a privilege to work for the foundation and it's such a joy to work for her. Well, she strikes me as one of those people who would be the exact same type of person, just authentic and just very real if you were to meet her just one-to-one as she appears when you see her in a media interview or a special event or just all of those types of more public forums, she seems to have such a genuine quality to her. that, And I think that's why she clearly resonates with people so well. And I would love to turn the conversation a bit to why each of you find this work fulfilling. And, you know, maybe if each of you uh, Marion, maybe starting with you, if you could tell us a little bit about what drew you into your job and what you continue to enjoy most about it. Well, you know, I think for me, my background, my career origins might seem a little bit unusual for somebody who is now leading on a, a book gifting program. But actually, throughout my professional career, everything that I have done has been around focusing on improving people's well-being. When I was involved in developing medicines, medicines save lives, but they also, for many, many conditions, improve people's quality of life and help them live with medical conditions. And so that was really a, a focus of mine, was around improving well-being and quality of life. And so it wasn't a huge leap when I moved into working in children's services and really focusing on improving children's well-being and making sure all of the the work that I've done with a children focus has been around inclusiveness, inclusion, and giving children the best possible start in life. And when when I first heard about the Imagination Library, I remember saying to the person who, who told me about it, really? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton gives books to children. Well, that's just amazing. I, I, I love it even more now because it just seemed like such an incredible thing. And then to be given the opportunity to be considered for a role with the foundation was just something that I would never have imagined. And, you know, I've always been a reader. You know, Kelly, you talked about going to the library with your sister and some of my best memories of childhood are around when I first got my library ticket and I was able to go and take books out that were just for me, it wasn't on somebody else's library ticket. That's always been a big part of my life. I'm a reader. That's what I do to relax. To be able to combine all of that and work for Dolly Parton, it's just, it's the stuff of dreams. You know, this is not something that I would ever have envisaged that I would do. But it's just the best thing possible because I feel that it allows me to to really fulfill my professional passion around what I can do to improve lives for children in whatever small way, but also my personal passion. And I don't think there could ever be a better combination. And to be tasked with getting more books into the hands of more children is just such a privilege. And it's an enormous task, but it's one that really is something that makes me feel excited about what I do for a living. And, and it's just the privilege. It's the best experience. Nor, what about you? Because your background isn't exactly in any kind of educational role. So how did you come to Imagination Library? Not, a, not at all. 
Um, it's interesting because I've always said, I've always felt I've had a private sector head, but a public sector heart, um, as evidenced by being a lifelong volunteer at many organizations, no matter where I was working around the country, around the world. And I had a very successful career, was able to, what I consider, pivot into uh, different segments that have no connectivity and um, reinvent myself. But really the basis of that is, the heart of that is, the fact that I am a reader. I was lucky enough to be born into a family of readers. I was lucky enough to get that inspiration for the love of reading. And so I consider myself a lifelong learner. And I know that you can take skills and transfer them from industry to industry. And I know you can self-teach you. And that's exactly what I've done my whole life. And at some point in my career, I decided that I needed something more. It wasn't more money, wasn't more projects, wasn't more success. What it was, was something to do around fulfillment and impact for others. And that's when I, I left the corporate world. I went back to school and got my master's degree at Georgetown. That was for me. And when I was there, that's what resonated in my head was, I know what I want to do. Where do I want to do it? And it has to be something you're individually passionate about. And I think about the only thing I've ever had time in my life for besides working and raising a family and volunteering is my passion, which is reading. <laughs> so I started, yeah, it's just very simple. You should stick with what feels right and what you have a passion for. And so I started researching nonprofits around reading and books and I saw Dolly's. So I started to do some research and I didn't see that they had any openings. So I just sat back and then I saw that they hired Marion to lead the UK. And I thought, well, maybe they're going to hire someone new to lead the US. And so that's what I did. I sat back and waited. And when they had an opportunity to open that position, I applied for it. And uh, this is my dream job. I've worked 40 years for my dream job. I love every single day of it. And I hope that I can do it for as long as I add value. And it's not Fantastic. about me. It's, it's about Dolly and the books, yeah. which is the best part. We get to be in the background. So Nora, I'm curious if there's a school or a community that's interested in bringing Imagination Library to the children of their area, you know, what's the process and, and why should they want to bring Imagination Library to their area? Thank you, Kelly. The process is really quite easy. They just need to reach out and express an interest by visiting our website and we will get in touch with them and we can start a program. And I guess the reason why it would matter is home literacy. We've talked about strengthening families, connecting and snuggling around books, connecting hearts to books and hearts to each other. But the real impact that we see is in kindergarten readiness. There's a significant increase and readiness for kindergarten. We see significantly stronger reading skills on achievement tests and reading scores well after that third, fourth grade. I've just recently seen a result out of a particular state where they saw higher scores all the way through ninth grade on reading and achievement tests. And then also that ripple effect into the community focused on increasing library usage, literacy initiatives, and it also can tie to adult literacy programs and dual language programs. So really it starts in the home, but it ripples out into the community and has a direct impact. Well, Imagination Libraries is so much 
bigger and about so much more than I ever imagined. So true. I completely agree. I completely agree on that. I've learned so much today. I thought that Dolly paid for all the books for a long time. And now I'm sitting here thinking, where could I get involved and start an imagination library? I'm like, I'm going to call my sister and find out if our hometown has it because I grew up in an area that's, and well, I said, you know, it's the mountains of North Carolina. So I'm going to check into that because if there's an area that doesn't have it, then I would, I want to get behind that and try to figure out how to bring it to, you know, where I grew up. Well, you're in luck, Kelly, the entire state of North Carolina. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's one of our statewide programs. So every child zero to five is eligible. So it's really getting the word out for families just to sign up. Right. So there's still a role for you there, right? As that (laughs) community awareness piece. Well, that brings me to another question. How do you market Imagination Library to parents and caregivers? How do you get the word out to them to go sign up? so their children will receive the books? So a lot of that activity actually happens locally and it's the local affiliate partner who is operating the programme in that community that will do local publicity. So they often do a press release in the local newspaper or radio, local radio programmes. You know, they'll they'll have interviews and quite often when there's a new programme starting up, there will be a launch event where, you know, families are invited in normal times are invited to come together and there's a bit of a party to launch the programme. And sometimes at those events, the children are given their welcome book, the first book that they receive, and the welcome book is given to them at that launch event. So there are lots of different ways that are very localised. And again, that's this combination of the international programme that has a local identity and is very much delivered locally. So, yeah, we we do less of that from the foundation. That's more the local promotion, really. Do you all have a conference or anything where everybody comes together, like all the communities and they get together, like share ideas? And Yes, we do. We actually have one that's every other year. Typically, it's held in Dolly's Hotel, Dreamore in Sevier County, and we call it Homecoming. And it's really for all our affiliates to come home to the place that she was born, where it started, um, to really give them the flavor of, you know, the Smoky Mountains and to give a flavor of why it's so important for Dolly. And it is typically a couple of day event and we share important topics, lots of networking. And some of those topics would include launching, marketing, how to reach families, how to reach the families that are hard to reach to get them to to come into the program. We also typically have someone come in and talk about the latest research around brain science and how important it is to read to children in the zero to three year spot. That's their neurological sweet spot. Brain science is now telling us that the reading network in a child's brain doesn't naturally exist. So we're born with all the capabilities, but it has to be created And how it's created in that zero to three space is reading, interactive reading, singing, talking. And so that happens at home, right? Because it's before they go to school and reading at home requires books. So that's where we come in and solve that problem. So we talk about reading, leading research, and we talk about fundraising and the affiliates share ideas. And it's great because it has that international connection piece as well. And this year we're really excited because 
we are being forced to have an online event. We can't get together at Dream More this year. And that really opens up the opportunity for international partners to join in where they wouldn't be able to travel to Tennessee. And so we are really looking forward to a truly international conference this year. It's, it's going to be great. That is so cool. Well, what about donations? Do you just take donations? I'm sure anybody can donate to the overall fund, right? Yeah, yeah on our website, um, there's mm-hmm. the capability to make just a general donation but you can also select your local community and make a donation specifically to the local community. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do oh, that from our company to in my hometown. Imagine. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And we actually prefer that. So the Dollywood Foundation doesn't do any fundraising since right. Dolly contributes yeah. millions of dollars a year to the foundation. So any donations we get, we try and get them down to the local communities to help. Right. Um, so if there are businesses out there that are looking to something that's impactful from a corporate social responsibility, please reach out. We can help you. We can also connect your dollars to a local community where you might have a manufacturing plant or a distribution center or a business, and you can make a real difference. And we have many ways to highlight your partnership with us and give you thanks so that your communities know that you're part of this. You both inspire me so much, and it reminds me of there's a saying, what is it? If you do what you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. And it sounds like you both just embody that. Your passion shines through. And thank you for everything you're doing to bring books to children around the world. And I could talk about books and Dolly all day long. I know. <laughs> so could we. <laughs> we have to get back to reality at some point today. It is St. Patrick's Day. So, um, Marion, have a great St. Patrick's Day over there <laughs> in you. the UK and Ireland. would like to take another opportunity to thank you again, Nora Briggs, Executive Director of the Dollywood Foundation and Imagination Library in North America, and Dr. Marion Galuli, Executive Director of the Dollywood Foundation and Imagination Library in the UK. Yes, and to sign up a child, donate, volunteer, or learn about the Imagination Library more online, you can visit their website at imaginationlibrary.com. So to our listeners, uh, don't forget to follow the Misinterpreted podcast and social media. We will respond to your questions and comments, so please post them using the hashtag misinterpreted, and that's hashtag MSinterpreted. And for visibility's sake, don't forget to capitalize the PR. You can also follow me on Twitter at KD Fletcher, as well as Fletcher PR, and follow Mary Beth at Mary Beth West. Our special thanks to our sound engineer, Chris Hill of Knoxville-based HumblePod at HumblePod.com. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.